Hello and welcome to Runkle of the Bailey. My name is Ian Runkle. I'm a criminal defense and firearms lawyer. Today I want to talk about the inspection provisions in the Firearms Act. So let's bring that up here. On a follow-up video, I'm going to have some audio from an actual inspection. But for this video, we're just going to stick with the legislation just so that we all are on the same page as to what uh, what's going on here. So this is Section 102 of the Firearms Act. If you're getting an ins inspection under this, they'll typically cite this. But if you don't understand what basis the firearms officer or the police have for entering your home or for asking to enter your home, you should talk to a lawyer because you don't want to get this wrong. There are many different ways that the police might have to try to gain entry to your home. This is only one of them, and it's important to understand what's going on and to get good advice. Now we see here they start out with subject to section 104. What that means is that 104 is going to be a limit on the powers here. And the second limit on the powers here is that it has to be for the purpose of ensuring compliance with this act and the regulations. So those are both put there as limits on the power that's going to be described further in section 102. An inspector may at any reasonable time, so this means not at 3 a.m., and typically, where they're going to be starting one of these inspections, they'll often work things out with you as to a good time. So enter and inspect any place where the inspector believes on reasonable grounds. So these are the, the triggers that allow them to, to make an inspection. If you don't meet any of these criteria, then they're not going to be able to inspect you under Section 102. So the first trigger is if a business is being carried on. The next trigger is if there's a record of a business. So either of those things, if you're running a business, those are things they can inspect. But the third one is any place in which the inspector believes on reasonable ground there is a gun collection or a record in relation to a gun collection. So if when you were applying for your firearms license, you put down that you have firearms for the purpose of collecting, this affects you. This You've essentially triggered the inspection provisions when and if they want to. The next one is, or any place in which the inspector believes on reasonable ground there is a prohibited firearm. So all of you AR-15 owners, this now affects you. It also affects you if you're one of the, the people who are grandfathered in under the other grandfathering provisions. So short-barreled handguns, uh, converted autos, all of this stuff. Or there are more than 10 firearms. So the question that often comes up is, how would they know how many guns I have? Well, there's two main ways. One is they might be re they might be restricted firearms, and so they might be registered. If you've got 15 handguns, then they're registered, then they're going to know that there's more than 10. But the second is they get their information from some other source. This might be your own social media. So the, the CFO is known to check out places like Canadian Gun Nuts, like Reddit, and so forth. So when you're posting pictures of your gun collection, you might actually give them or trigger these criteria here. The other way this comes up is they might have, you know, a live person source. And that'll be a situation where they've already been doing some investigation if they're calling people around you, but somebody else might have told them just how many guns you have, either accurately or falsely. So now we get into the bullet point sections which say what they can do. And these are actually fairly expansive. So the first is open any container that the inspector believes on reasonable grounds contains a firearm or other thing in respect of which this act or the regulations apply. 
So that's our first uh, thing is they can open containers up. They can examine any firearm and examine any other thing that the inspector finds and take samples of it. I'm not sure what samples means in terms of a firearm. It may mean seizing the whole firearm. Next is conduct any tests or analyses or take any measurements. And last is require any person to produce for examination or copying any records, books of account, or other documents that the inspector believes on reasonable grounds contain information that is relevant to the enforcement of this act or the regulations. So typically this will be business records. But in theory, this could be things like your insurance documents and so forth. So just be aware of that. They're also allowed to operate equipment. So any data processing system at the place, they can use printers to produce printouts. They can use copying equipment. Again, this mostly applies to businesses. But they're not allowed to use force. This is important because it means you're not going to be raided by the tactical team. They're going to show up. They're going to knock on your door. They're going. It's going to be fairly polite. It also notes that if they take anything while carrying out an inspection, they must give you a receipt. And if it's a firearm, the serial number for that firearm, if it's available. As we all know, many old firearms don't have serial numbers, but if there is a serial number, they have to provide that on the receipt. Because this receipt for things taken specifically notes a firearm, that's part of why I conclude that samples can include firearms. Typically on these inspections, I haven't seen them doing a whole lot of seizures, but it's possible. Uh, in particular, it might be possible if they're wanting to do tests. So for greater certainty in this section, business has the meaning assigned by subsection 2 sub 1. I'm mostly going to focus on residential stuff here, and so I'm not going to go into that definition here. But here's an interesting part, the duty to assist inspectors. So the owner in, or person in charge of a place that is inspected by an inspector under section 102, which is what we just covered, and every person found in the place. That's a hell of a thing, right? It's every, in theory, they could ask you to inspect them if they're, or to assist them if they're inspecting a gun store and you happen to be there because you're shopping for a gun. That's kind of weird. So shall give the inspector all reasonable assistance to enable him or her to carry out the inspection and exercise any power conferred by that inspection provision and provide the inf inspector with any information relevant to the enforcement of this act or the regulations that he or she may reasonably require. So not only do you have to let them look around, but you have to actually help. I'll get into some discussion about this in a little later, but first we'll just go through the legislation as it, as it is. Inspection of a dwelling house. So this is important because these provisions allow them to search not just businesses, but also homes. And homes enjoy special protection typically under the charter. So they may not enter a dwelling house under section 102 except on reasonable notice to the owner or occupant except where a business is being carried on in the dwelling house. So if you have a business at your home, then they don't have to give you reasonable notice. They can just show up. It's a good thing to know if you're thinking about where to locate a firearm business. Otherwise, they have to give you reasonable notice. And they either need your consent or they need a warrant. So one of those two things. Now you might think, why would I ever consent? And we'll get to that. So authority to issue warrant. This is how they can get to the warrant. A justice who on ex parte application, 
What ex parte means is that they do this on their own and they don't contact you. They don't let you in on this process. It's done in your absence by the CFO. So first, that the conditions for entry described in section 102 exist in relation to a dwelling house. So they have to be able to certify those things. Second, that entry to the dwelling house is necessary for any purpose relating to the enforcement of this act and the regulations. Or So it has to be necessary, not just desirable, but needed. And then here's the fun part. That entry to the dwelling house has been refused or that there are reasonable grounds for believing that entry will be refused. And the easiest way for that is, you know, so if you don't consent, that gives them the opening to go and then seek the warrant. But they don't necessarily need that, that step if for some reason they believe that you're going to refuse them. And that might be, again, social media and forum postings. It might also be your behavior in other ways. There's various ways they could get to that then they may issue a warrant authorizing the inspector named in it to enter that dwelling house subject to any conditions that may be specified in the warrant. So typical conditions would be, you know, this has to be at a reasonable hour, that they can't use force because, of course, nobody's allowed to use force for this. Uh, there's various other, uh, that they can't go on a fishing trip. They have to look at specific places or for specific things. Those are the kinds of conditions that might be on the warrant. So areas that may be inspected is, again, a limitation. For greater certainty, an inspector who is carrying out an inspection of a dwelling house may enter and inspect only that part of a room or of the dwelling house in which an inspector believes on reasonable grounds there is a firearm, prohibited weapon, restricted weapon, prohibited device, prohibited ammunition, a record in relation to a gun collection, or all or part of a device or other thing required by a regulation under, made under paragraph 117H, respecting the storage of firearms and restricted weapons. And B, in addition, in the case of a dwelling house where the inspector believes on reasonable grounds a business is being carried on, that part of a room in which the inspector believes on reasonable ground there is ammunition or record of the business. So from that, we can say they don't necessarily get to go looking for your ammunition unless it's prohibited ammunition. But often, if you've got a safe, many people have a safe and store their ammunition with the firearm in accordance with the regulations. But they can't just go rifling through your house. This is one of those places where some cooperation may make sense in the sense that showing them where your gun safe is will keep them from having to wander through. There's another provision, which is demand to produce firearms. So if they believe on reasonable grounds that you possess a firearm, they may, by demand made to that person, so they will issue a demand, require that person within a reasonable time after the demand is made to produce the firearm in the manner specified by the inspector for the purpose of verifying the serial number or other identifying features of the firearm and of ensuring that in the case of a prohibited firearm or a restricted firearm, the person is the holder of the registration certificate for it. So where this comes up, they can either do this in addition to an inspection. So for instance, they may inspect your home and not find something that they were expecting to find and then issue this demand. So in particular, if you have a handgun and they don't find it, they may say, well, we believe you have this handgun listed under this registration, 
we are demanding that you produce that, and here's how you do it. They can also use this as an alternative to the inspection process. So they may just say, this particular gun, we want to see it, and we want you to bring it to us under the following sort of terms and conditions. Now, failure to follow any of this is an offense under the Firearms Act, and there is punishment that can associate with it, including the loss of your firearms license. So these are fairly heavy provisions. In my view, uh, these provisions may not stand up to charter scrutiny. I haven't been able to find a case where this has actually been tested. But to my mind, this seems to be legislation that allows for a fishing trip into a home, which is one of the most protected areas in terms of your charter rights to be free from unreasonable searches. So because that's such a protected area, I'm not sure that this criteria of them just wanting to have a look around and wanting to check your storage necessarily meets that. But be aware, if you wanted to fight that, that's going to be a lengthy and expensive process. So often people comply with these because it's easier than hiring counsel and it's easier than fighting this. But you might be wondering at this stage, how does this end up happening? Because most people don't get inspected. They may go their entire lives being gun owners and never get one of these notices that they want to inspect. Where this typically happens is either the chief firearms officer has received some sort of report, but it's not quite enough to get a warrant for a criminal search, but they may want to make an inspection. Or they may, you, they may have spotted that some sort of suspicious activity is going on. And typically what that means is somebody buying a large number of restricted firearms in a short period, especially if they're the same gun. So think of somebody buying 20 SIG P226 handguns. The question that that obviously raises is, why does this person need 20 of the same gun? But similarly, if you buy in short time a large number of handguns or a large number of other restricted firearms, such that it's an unusual buying pattern. And the reason why they'll make these inspections is that they want to stop straw purchasing. So they want to make sure that the person who's just bought these 20 SIG P2, or P226, that they still have them all, that they haven't been sold on the street. And so if you're unable to show them all of these guns that are registered to you, you're in for a bad time. Typically also these things give you a fair bit of notice. And that's to your benefit because you know when they're coming and you can take steps. So this is a great time to go through with the regulations, you know, print them out, make sure that your storage is 150% up to spec because if it's not, you may end up facing charges. So it's a, you will have time potentially to go buy a safe if you don't have one or if you're not sure that your safe is good enough you've got time to do a sweep and make sure everything is tidy. The other thing I generally recommend is just clean up your house, clean up everything so that all of your storage is in one place. And you may want to move your storage around a little bit because if typically your storage is a bunch of long guns stored apart from ammunition with trigger locks in your closet, so fully legal, but that closet's in your bedroom, you might not want to invite the chief firearms officer into your bedroom 
that's a very private place i don't i'm not normally a fan of inviting strangers into my bedroom so the uh, it provides you that time where you can think about what's going to happen and adjust to it as best you can now i greatly recommend that if one of these is happening that you do call a lawyer because you will need them to walk you through some of what's going to happen some of what to expect as i said in a future video i intend to go through the audio recordings uh, one of my viewers sent me an audio recording of an actual inspection and to comment on some of the things that happen in that inspection and to give others an idea of that because I think it's valuable to know what can happen and what you should potentially be looking out for. But it's always a good idea to contact a lawyer if you're facing something like this and determine what your options are. Thank you for watching. I hope this has been educational and informative. If it has, please like, share, and subscribe. Currently, the top two search entries for Runkle of the Bailey are actually hats. I'm hoping to displace those and take the number one search spot for my own channel title. Uh, I'd love your support on that. I also want to thank my $10 Patreon supporters, Process Eng and my buddy Keith. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but your support is appreciated. It helps keep this channel going. I also want look forward to seeing you for the next video. As I mentioned, it includes a lot of audio. I'm currently going through it and trying to cut it down to sort of the most important best bits. But I, if you're curious about how an inspection goes, I think you'll want to watch it. Thank you.